Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of getting to the end of a great long journey and finding out that it was all magical. Bippity-boppity-boo. As opposed to waking up and finding out that someone was taking a shower. Or, or As you, opposed you, to waking up and finding out your entire adventure was a really twisted dream and walking out and finding out you're actually there. <laughs> well, it would be great if that was true. Uh, because there's an awful lot of us who wish we could live in a magical world. Uh, that is, But we do in the sense that the world we live in is a product of our imagination. And if you work hard enough and if you're lucky enough you might see some of your imagination become real. So, welcome everybody to the TriTech Games Podcast, and we are finishing up our adventures in the magical, creating the perfect magic system. This has been going on actually since we started recording last February, and we are now, I believe, on our last session of it. And we, we're, we're going to be basically picking up some of the things. So if you've been listening the whole way, then you should be able to understand what are the things we're talking about that we somehow managed to skip on the way along. And if you aren't, then you may have a little trouble keeping up. But we're going to try our best to make sure you can understand. Chain casting, group casting... We never really talked about that at all, which is if you are casting a spell and you add more casters, not not in the case of what I just talked about where the ritual requires 50 people, but you will, you know, but you only have 25. I'm saying is it if you have more than one person who knows a spell and they start casting it with you, what's the effect? Generally my experience has been fine you're casting two separate fireballs. That's always been my experience with the games I've always played in yeah. every system. Now, as far as combining, hmm. I mean, it does fall into that some games do have helping rules. So are they helping you cast a spell? So yeah, you're the you're the you're the 6th level mage, but you know, you got a 4th level who also knows the spell. Is he, is he casting his own, or is he basically helping you for a bigger effect, or is he happy helping you for more power? Or the fact is, you all need to join hands together in Kumbaya the, to take down the dragon. You know, one of those things. 
Okay, because essentially what happens at the end of um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, or is it the second one? The second uh, It's the first one. The first one, yeah. Uh, they basically, they're, they're essentially chain casting there. They're all holding hands. They're all basically helping him control the Infinity Stone. So, you know, that's... And we find out, of course, later in the second one, there's a reason why he's able to handle that kind of power. Yeah. Spoilers. A lot of people are going, well, what is that? He's the hero, therefore he's got, like, plot immunity here? Yeah, so... Well, yes. <laughs> and, and, the, and the answer, of course, is yes, especially in a show like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. But back to the question, okay? So, Trav, you say that, you know, two people cast Fireball, even if they're trying to help each other, basically you get two Fireballs going off. Yeah. No, I'm saying that's been my experience. As far as every, and I mean, as, I'm just a little bit behind you two in gaming experience. It's still 40 years. In all the systems I've done in 40 years, that's always been the thing. If you're a spellcaster, there's no, usually there's no aiding and casting the same spell to make it better. You're casting two yeah. of the same spell. Well, in AD&D, there actually were some clerical spells where they would have circle of something, and it actually did, the more casters that were involved, it did actually boost things in that. Yeah. I mean, there's two things that could happen. One, you get a bigger effect. Two, you're, you're helping. Therefore, you get to add, a, give, them, give the, the main caster a bonus to uh, basically cast that spell. I mean, if you're using the standard helping rules, you're you're that's what you're doing. You're just helping them cast a spell that they may not be able to normally cast, or not cast uh, reliably. You know, if if you know if you you crunch numbers and you realize I got a twenty percent chance of failure. Well, if someone helps you, that becomes a ten percent chance of failure. You know, and that's that's one reason why you would do it because you know you're I say it, you're metagaming, you're you're crunching numbers and realize you got a chance of failure, and if you get help from two other casters, that becomes like a five percent chance of failure. Right now, do they have to know the spell? Because, are, well, okay, that's what you say. All right, some people would say that okay, I'm a you know I, I'm a first level mage, and you're casting a fireball. I don't know Fireball, but I I will burn a first level spell so that you can have an extra die of damage on your Fireball. Uh, now that no, I would think if you're if you're and we're going back to number three here. What's your magical? What limits it? Skill yeah. or character level? Yeah, I mean it's if equivalent. A of... level, if if you're a first level mage, you don't know Fireball. And he's not casting fireball, but he's he's feeding power to the mage, who who is casting. I think that would be a matter then of mechanics. Let's say you have a way to transfer spell points to another mage. Yeah, yeah you're essentially feeding him spell points. Yes. Yeah, okay, but, in that case, yeah, then it's not a matter of skills. But it's also it's also boosting his caster level. Hmm. Yeah, I still I, I see the thing I look at from the Trav would, would probably agree with me this. It's, it's a guy is working on a motorcycle with a chain with a with a uh, not with a chain drive with, with actually with an actual drive, and the kid is kid who knows how to fix a bicycle is trying to help him. 
I don't think the motorcycle is going to be a the kid's not going to do anything at that point. Just sit and watch at that point. You know, watch the guy fix his motorcycle with with the with the axle with an axle instead of a uh, chain drive. It's it's you know there's there's the same thing two wheels and they move and they stay up for the same reasons but they're completely different in how they operate and I see to me you'd have to know the spell even at a lower level you'd still have to know the spell because otherwise I look at as gear is not meshing correctly. You know, you 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 have you 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 got a certain certain tooth count on this one gear, and this guy comes in with. Okay, with a, I I do see John's logic here. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. If you don't know the spell, you're just gonna just all you can do is just be a battery at that point. Well, wait a second. Well, hold on now. Hold on there, Buckaroo. Okay, he doesn't know Fireball, but let's say he knows, um, you know, uh, Aragon Scorcher. That's a fire-based effect, or, or or Burning Hands. He's that's casting fire. It's not like your main mage is casting Fireball. Okay, I don't know Fireball, but I know a lesser fire spell. Then let's say he can only cast, he can only transfer half the normal spell points he'd be able to. Yeah. It's still a fire spell, just not as powerful. So or only help, uh, only or give a lesser, or give a lesser bonus instead of yeah. you know, skill instead bonus. Of a plus three to the roll, you're only doing a plus one. Yeah, no. yeah. So even though you may know, you know, you know uh, Vandegav's, you know, ra- raging lightning hands at at tenth level, it's still not the same thing as as Tesla's, you know, thundering lightning bolt. You know, it's it, it, yeah. So you only get to transfer so much knowledge over. Yeah. You know, just be... Okay, so I'm not quite sure I understand what, what where your position is, John. Are, are you saying then that if they know a similar spell, they can uh, boost the effect or increase the chance of success of the caster who's actually casting the spell? Because this is not as because... much. Yeah, because the systems I use, it's usually helping them basically increase their chances of success. Because the systems I use, that's typically what you know how I would use it to have them help with. Basically, it's, again, it's helping, and helping is always making increasing the chance of them successfully casting a spell. Right, but in a lot of systems, helping just is adds to the skill check. It doesn't cost anybody the other person mana. It doesn't cost them a spell slot. You remember, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a spell point person, so I don't worry about spell points. Okay, but in the case of where they did have spell points, do you think it should always cost spell points if there's a bonus? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're helping someone cast a spell and it does require spell points, you may end up, you know, you might end up spending half the points if you don't know the spell exactly. If you do know the spell exactly, yeah. Well, no, you just said yeah, but you didn't qualify that. Trav says that you end up with two two fireballs going off, not a combined fireball. Mm. Yeah, the thing uh, trouble I've seen said, in my experience, that's how it's always been. Yeah, yeah. Well, in your experience, Trav, what do you want it to happen? Well, my experience, you know, if if I got three guys who know fireball and their combined spell points will let them cast a, a fireball, oh, say twice as big but you know we add up on the numbers yeah let them do it <clears throat> you know I would, I would like that because it then brings into the concept of ritual magic where they all know the same spell they're all of the same power level i would say sure triple strength fireball 
Yeah. Now if it's now if it's one guy who knows fireball and his two apprentices that only know burning hands, eh, that fireball might be one and a third more powerful, but it's still more powerful than just the main mage casting fireball because yeah. he's got his two apprentices adding a little bit of quote unquote fire mana to the mix. Yeah, and if you're in a spell point system, they get to add because it, you know, no, they get to add their maybe not the same number of spell points, but you get to add some spell points to right. be determined by the system. Because it's of a yeah. lesser level of fire spell. I would toss in they also would have to be of a of the same or friendly college of magic. You know, if you're an earth mage, okay, uh, I'd stay away from the water mages. Well, yeah, if you're an earth mage, you're not going to be really casting fire spells. Oh, no, air mages. It's air mages. You got to stay away from. That's right. You stay away from the air mages. But a fire mage can help you. And so can a water mage. But an air mage can't. You know, so uh, it basically you're, you're, you're just too different. Yeah, and, the usually with the four elements, fire and water and earth and air are the opposites. Are the, yeah, the anathematical yeah. ones. Yeah, I Once think that just they cancel each other out. And other game systems have even more different uh, colleges. I think there's at least, at least six different ones in in uh, Savage Worlds. All right, so let me tell you some some situations where this might be a benefit. Okay, one first benefit is let's say you have a person who has a let's say a forty percent anti ma ma uh, fire shield on. Okay, unless they take 40 points of damage, you ain't getting through. All right, and that's per spell. So if two mages cast two fireballs, one after another, and they each do 30 points of damage, nothing happened. Okay, but if the two spellcasters can combine their fireballs into one, you know, 60-point fireball, same amount of damage, but now combined into one. Now that person's shield doesn't protect them. They're taking 20 points of damage. Okay, so there's that benefit there. Second benefit is, and this is this depends upon, uh, again, the first edition D&D, &D, your spell, they didn't have any rules about delaying and stuff like that. Your spells went off when you're, according to you know the way your initiative went. So we have two guys who cast two, let's say three guys, three mages all cast fireball at the same time. Okay, each fireball fills 33,000 cubic feet of space. And it multiplies because there's three fireballs because they're all happening at the same time. Now, basically every window and door in the castle is exploding fire out of it, and everybody has now just taken damage from all of them because they all basically blew out in all directions simultaneously. Or not, because I've also read, uh, I think Gygax once said, no, no, it's not, it's not explosive. It just fills it with fire. No, the rule was that as long as there wasn't something blocking it, it filled it. So it would go down as many corridors and whatever you had. Yeah, that was part of the rules, too. But it wouldn't blow the windows out. But it wouldn't blow the windows out. I didn't say that. I said it blew out the... All right. When I said blew out the windows, I meant it moved out the windows, not the windows were explosively. But, hey, that's... Okay, you know, it's... You know, you're, you're, be you're, you're begging the issue here, John. My versions were always explosive anyway, so, you know. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, because there's other stuff that does explode. Uh, all right, so the point here is, is that... 
by cast by combining the casting like that, that would allow you to have. You could even say no. Each spell is only going to be one fireball, but they're all going to take. They're not. The effect is not. The the area of effect is not going to multiply. Okay. Or the third possibility is there's another factor which is distance. You have two spellcasters casting a fireball. Instead of it being limited to I don't know 60 feet, it's now a 120 feet fireball because the two of them work together to combine their spells, they ended up with one fireball with twice the distance. Yeah. It also sounds like you're working together, but in that case, I'd say you, you two of you have to work together to, you know, get that extra distance in. I mean, basically, there's got to be some intent there. It shouldn't be a, oh, and you get twice the distance. No, no. What's your, you know, I would say as a GM, say, what's your intent? Um, uh, you two, you working together. Yeah. No, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Are you going for distance? Are you going for volume? Or are you going for damage? Pick one. Okay, I see his point there. Yeah. Right. And in that case, you know, you basically are are wasting the the damage potential of one spell to get distance, but if the if the person you're trying to reach is on the other side of a crevasse and your spell can't reach it, then you're actually getting some damage rather than no damage at all. Yeah. Right. I. Yeah. You basically. I like that. that yeah. yeah. You like that analogy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, the, the one caster is doing the base spell, and the other one is basically supplementing it with their own in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what? Now, there's another. There's another variation of that, Bruce. It's also number. Uh, not just vomit number, say good old magic missile. Uh, if, if you got like three people feeding the one guy who's really good at casting it and they're feeding him more magic missiles, he's machine gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. At that point, yeah. You know, instead of just doing, was it was it one or two? Well, it depends on, uh, I, I'm thinking of Savage Worlds where you get three shots. Uh, magic three missile, it is a first level spell and every two caster levels after first you gain another magic missile up to five. And this might let you get 15. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just you point your wand and just fire it off. <laughs> or no, Josie. Here, this is something Josie and maybe Ashley understand. If you have other spellcasters um, helping you, military scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Which I could, see a, I could see a definite limitation that would have, that would have to be applied to this. As I have listed here about some of the possibilities is that one of the big problems with this is that if it um, you might get a bigger effect, but you might also increase the chance of failure. Well, yeah, if you're dumping that much raw magical energy mm -hmm. into a spell effect, of course the risk is going to be greater. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, especially if if the main caster blows his roll and rolls a, and basically gets a critical failure, magic missiles for everyone. <laughs> Settle down, your Oprah. <laughs> you get magic missiles. You, you get, get magic missiles. <laughs> but you could also say something along the lines of, "Okay, it doubles the magical effect, but it only you only get half." of my levels as far as determining the success of casting the spell. That's true, too, yeah. 
So you, so therefore, you could theoretically do more damage, but you know, if it's something that, if you're trying for a spell that's harder, then you, you might actually fail. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and depending on the system, and also depending on the system you're using, uh, you either, if you're helping, you either either have to make a helping roll. So you already, so you have to succeed in succeed in helping, or you just give them a, a flat like plus one or plus two, depending on your on your own individual skill level, which which in that case I say eh, I'd rather actually have a, there's a chance of you blowing you know, failing your roll trying to help, and you end instead of giving him power, you give him the magic missiles instead. Okay, I'm seeing I'm seeing something here. I think Bruce touched on it for a little bit. Yeah. About if you have too many, if you have too many, or let's say you add more than one mage casting the same spell, and there's a risk of failure, the risk of failure increases. I'm seeing that as an analogy of too many cooks spoiling the soup. You've got too many people in one place trying to hack reality by casting this mega fireball, and therefore the the force, the powers that be of magic are saying. Oh, you want to play that game and really try to, you know, rewrite reality oh, by doing this? Okay, oh, yeah. it's going to cost you. Go yeah. ahead and go a finger one wrong way and see what happens. Right. Well, the best analogy would be singing. Okay, one person singing, you're going to have a pure melody. You add more people to it, they don't always come in exactly the same time. They don't, all, and so you can end up with dissonance happening. And when dissonance happens, then other things can happen. But Bruce, there's also the time where you have people who hit harmony, and it's almost like if you have two people singing and they're in harmony, it's almost like you have that third voice there. Oh, yeah. No, that's the whole point of doing it. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's why he gave the example of singing, because when you do get the harmony, you get the overtones and undertones, you end up with something that's greater than, the, as, you, as you're trying to say, the sum of the parts. A gestalt, yeah. Yeah. Or, like in music, a jazz riff. Now, I don't know, Bruce, I, Bruce, I know you're involved, you've been involved in choir. I don't know if anyone here is involved with a musical instrument and have been in a jazz band. The jazz rip is just where everybody is playing an instrument. They're all doing the same song. But during a bridge, it's almost like the music takes on a life of its own. And this usually happens only in jazz for some reason. But, yeah, they just... And it is, it's a gestalt thing again where just, okay, you have these multiple people all doing the same thing, and it just becomes that much greater. Yeah, there, but there, also you're going to have that chance for dissonance. It's just that's a matter of skill and timing. Yeah, which and, in magic, that's everything. And, and and speaking of you know magic, if we're dealing also you're dealing with a system where you are getting power points, there is also drinking from the fire hose. That is, you 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 have a garden you have a garden hose uh, spigot on the end of a fire hose. Yes, it's going to spray water. I don't know what's going to happen to that spigot when you're, you're done with it though. And if you're a ma if you have one mage being channeled into, can he actually handle the flow? Uh, well, that's is. the whole point of a wizard yeah. sorcerer, John. Yeah, magic is that fire hose, yeah. and you, the caster, are the spigot. You're the one. <laughs> you do one wrong. You say one wrong word. You move one wrong finger. 
you have a component that is not pure. But normally, you or, it's just and, you. It's and, just and you. Boom. But now you got four guys behind you feeding you four times the power. Well, then that means then you better be very damn good. Yeah. As I said, wrong word, <laughs> finger wiggle, one bad or impure component, and we're back to the crater example again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and while, you may, while you might be able to handle and are used to your own little quirks and wiggles, somebody else might be wiggling the wrong way. Yeah, you got to deal with the idiot behind you who just started, who just made fourth level, and you guys have been all fourth level for a couple months now. Yeah. You're talking cascade failure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, now there's one other possibility, which uh, it gets really dark, and that is lots of spells have detrimental effects on the caster. Okay, it ages them. It's... it, it causes them to lose body parts. It causes them to lose senses. Uh, it, you know, it can even outright kill them. Okay. Now, if you, ca- if, you co- if you get somebody else to join you in this spell and you cast it essentially with them as the conduit, they get to have all those effects. Spellsell goes off. You're sitting pretty. They're a steaming pile on the floor. Oh no! I see that as an exact failure, as an exact consequence. Yeah, if there is a detrimental factor to casting a spell, either right out outright spell or a ritual, yeah, you're basically consuming them in inadvertently or intentionally to cast that spell. As is, hmm. as you said, it could be just yeah, your apprentice now looks forty. Or he's free-floating atoms and component parts. Ew. <laughs> Dragon Slayer, Wizard Bomb. That's how they took out the took out Vermithrax. They basically got they, they basically he got it bitten, you know, took it taken up by the by Vermithrax, and then his apprentice destroyed his focus of power and just dumped all the energy into him at once. Boom. <laughs> so, but I'm saying is that if you wanted to, uh, you know, if you wanted a, a greater effect or, or even the same effect and you just didn't want to take the consequences of it, you could get somebody else to cast it with you for the sole purpose of making sure that they became the focus. And, and you might even have a skill duel in there to see who gets the, who gets the, the, the bad effect. Okay. You know, and there's and there's lots of stories about things like that where there you know someone's trying to just basically pour off all the negative karma they've accrued into this innocent person uh, just you know through some ritual or something like that so that they can go on to either gain more power without the consequences or just continue on as they have been. Yeah, and that can backfire as well. Well, of course, it all could backfire, John. Oh yeah, yeah. But see, I can see where people would do that, where they're like, "I don't want to." Lo- Every time I cast a haste spell, I don't want to get a year older. But you, Mister, Ma- you know, Mister Apprentice, you're young, so you take the extra year. <laughs> Just get over here and get in line, and let me like you know 
pump that magic into you and you know and you touch the people. Okay, yeah. sir, I'll try. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, under those circumstances it would always succeed, but he's and he gets older and in D and D that was actually a benefit because if your apprentice was a dragon, then all of a sudden you've got yourself an adult dragon. Started with a fledgling, now you're an adult dragon. Oh, you know, the, the whole, uh, let's haste the person until they're now full adults. It was a very common technique used in AD&D. Oh, that's a, oh, I just had a frightening thought concerning spellcasting dragons and a PDF I have called Temporality from Dark Horse Games. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of new time-based spells that you age a number of months equal to the level of the spell. So if you're throwing around a ninth-level spell, you age nine months. A dragon with time spells. Yeah, that's that's the same kind of idea. Yeah, that, it just, that just now hit me where you brought that up, and I'm thinking, oh, he's only been alive five years, but he's always already equivalent to mm-hmm. an adult dragon. Ooh. And then it makes you wonder about, you know, and, and then makes you fear about things like Tiamat, who's immortal, who doesn't no. care. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, there actually can be a, be- a benefit to this uh, that's to the person receiving it. Let's say that the king is dead and you need an heir. You didn't leave an heir, okay? But his daughter, who is not a or what, okay, uh, who's not able to ascend to the throne because it's a patriarchal system, is 14 years old. Okay, cast some spells on her. She's now 18 years old. Now she can safely carry that child to full term. Yeah. Mm. And just as the regent until the child grows of age. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the point is that, yeah, right. But the point is, is that she can actually produce an heir. Therefore, the kingdom doesn't fall into civil war because now we actually have an heir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, there, can be, there can be benefits to this aging business. Sounds like, it sounds like okay, now, now, we got, now she's carrying a child. And now we, what's the spell? It does nine years? Nine months? I would never do that. That's, 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 that's. You, you, I've seen that happen in games, but, you know, to me, that really pushes the boundaries of, uh, believe, you know, believability in a magical game, right? You know, but I'm just saying is that, you know, I, I always figured that the dragon, you know, that went from fledgling to ancient in, in uh, 15 or 20 haste spells was a pretty dumb dragon. <laughs> Didn't, didn't suddenly gain life experience, didn't become wily. Exactly, it's just got all this power and no ethics on how to use yeah. it. Yeah. And, and no knowledge. Yeah. The problem I had with with aging is the same thing. I think we brought this up when we were when we were doing the D20 version of, of Bureau 13 was, if you age somebody, uh, considering how, how much magic we expect people to throw around, uh, mages will have, a character, have a, will have a lifespan of about five years. Have you ever played D and D before? Yeah. No campaign lasts over five years, John. <laughs> I, I'm, t- I'm talking in, in game in, in game five. But seriously, John, I mean, you know, most you know most sagas don't last more than five years. Maybe that's enough. 
maybe you know five years of seeing the sun come up and down at the end of which you've achieved your great goal is enough for some people i started at 20 years old i can get aarp at the end of the campaign that's right five years that's right the wizened old guy you know and he and he and he say what's your story says well he says when i was when i was 20 years old says uh you know i got uh uh my you know i i got married to five to to five of my neighbors you know daughters okay and he said wow he says how'd that work out oh fine I, I, you know i had the greatest life you can imagine really how old are you 25 yeah. <laughs> uh yeah just burnt just burned him out you know the thing is, I know a lot of people would actually hate aging. Most people do. Yeah, if you have to cast spells, especially casting spells, because what's the proper amount? I mean, is it months? Is it days? Is well, it that, years? That's, like, that's what I like about temporality is that, yeah. yeah, these spells, if you're casting a zero-level spell, you might age a couple days, and that's it. Mm. It's when you start casting first, second, the rule is, if it's one of these time spells, mm. then it's one month per the spell level. Yeah. So, yeah. An elf or a dwarf who gets into what they call chronomancy, it's cool. They can do this. Humans and halflings and half-orcs, however, who have shorter lifespans, not a good life choice. They're like, okay... Yeah, I've been messing around with time and you know, I'm I'm this 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 badass as far as spell casting, but I'm also aging myself and I might die of old age at any time. Part of the backstory of this 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 PDF is two humans two human uh wizards found out that their world was getting invaded by technologically advanced aliens. So they developed time spells and bounce all throughout time to try to find ways to stop these aliens from taking over the planet. They barely found out, or at least they, they started the beginnings of a time agency that allowed them to, their descendants to stop the aliens, or at least, you know, do damage control. But all the bouncing around in time aged the two guys until they, they died. Mm. So they kind of screwed themselves in that way. But it did start this. What was it? The ATO, the agency, the agency for temporal organization, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I like that idea. If you really want to be just a jerk GM, do aging for all spells, telling people, yes, you are hacking reality on the subquantum level with magic. There is a price. Yeah. Well, that's what they did in Nick Pilata's novels. Yeah. No, I yeah, I remember Raul, the one mage who ended up becoming an old guy. Yeah, I remember. Normally, you know, you would you become old, but that was your limit, you know. As as you ran out of spell points, you got older and older, but then you'd you regenerate back and return the way you were, but some but he like basically they dumped all this magic into him and he you did some tremendously big spell, and at the end of it, it was, you know, he'd gone too far. He couldn't recover from it. Yeah. So he ended up being 80 years old and retiring. Yeah. And I have to be the one that actually says, of course, we are tangenting a bit. Us? <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are? 
Yeah, because we're not talking about groups. We're talking effects now. We're not talking about groups, group spells anymore. We're right, right. Okay, that part, sure. All right, so let's move on to... Uh, we, didn't, didn't do the, we didn't do the vote on, on this. I thought we did. Well, I already said that I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm all in favor for, you know, it, it, you get an increase. You pick what the increase is if there's multiple if there's multiple things you can affect. Distance, duration, time, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, and Trav, how do you feel you feel about that? Uh, adding more people to a spell, uh, it does increase it. And I do like John's thing about you pick what is increased. You don't get duration, distance, and, and damage. That's just too much. You do need to pick one because it's all part of the, the concept of computing this incredibly high force. You don't get everything you want. It's yeah. bad. Magic is being kind enough by letting you manipulate it. You can only manipulate it so far. And 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 I'm also the group of and your helpers actually have to cast do a do a, a spell casting role of some sort because you know, you know just saying I'm helping doesn't do it. You actually have right. to take, yeah take throw it. in a spell crap role. Yeah. 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 Right. To be able to basically twist the magical energy into the right frame. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice wording, Joseph. Right. So you, you can't just go and say, you know, here, I'm, I'm just going to add my coleslaw and you make the perfect meal out of that. No. In other words, you can't just donate spell levels or mana points. No. If you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. <laughs> ah, yes. All right. Let's move on to um, uh, number five. Okay. So if two spells go off in the same area simultaneously, what's the effect? And basically, the two options I gave here was they combine arithmetically, or B, only the higher caster's effect occurs. How do you feel about those? I like, I like A because, and I'll give an example. It's not magic, but it'll work. Iron Man 2, Iron Man and War Machine firing their oh. repulsor bolts. Between them. I, I, I get it. I get what you're getting at. That yeah, I like that. Because they used it to take out Whiplash. Mickey Rourke's character. Where you, you fire those two fireballs together. Yeah, it's that would be effectively be a double fireball. And there's no ruling. That's just GM fiat. I would just say, okay, fine. You do that, boom. It's now a double fireball and you react accordingly. Reflex saves. Yeah, I, I will have to say this guy. I can hear people out there right now saying, "But in my system, spells go off as you cast them, so you can't do them simultaneously, unless you intentionally delay." Yeah, and then I've also played in game. I've played at least one or two systems where spells have their own phase. So you cast your spells, and then the spell phase comes along, and then they all go off. So yeah, there's always there's always exception to the rule. Uh, I'm the, on the cast where yeah you can't yeah basically if your if your oh, if your just... turn is six seconds long, for all intents and purposes they're going off at the same time. So I don't I don't worry about that. Maybe within mil yeah, due to initiative that's all like milliseconds apart. Yeah. This is this is pretty much where you look at like casting times and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. I didn't say they were the same spell. No, no. No. If oh. It, right, but that's where you get into 
if they're different spells, the effects of those different spells might mix in weird ways. Yeah, and and if they aren't going off exactly the same time, then you get some benefits. Joe over here is casting um, an, an ice blast. Bob but, over here is casting a fireball. Yeah, but John, the point of this is to say what what happens if they go off simultaneously. Well, why? Well, okay. If they're if they're diametrically opposite spells, then they would they would they may actually cancel each other out. Right. Well, that's why we have number B. Yeah. See. Okay, Bruce. When I read this earlier this afternoon, if two spells go off in the same area, so they, I took it as yeah, you know, like two people cast fireball at each other. I'm gonna say this in a in a PC well in a in a way that doesn't need to be edited as far as your wording, Bruce. <laughs> Phallic move there, Shepherd. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, yeah, they don't have to be the same spell. Fire and ice, yeah, you just end up with a massive steam bath. Yeah, unless they go off slightly different. If they're not exactly simultaneous, then one heats up and then one cools down. Or, and, and this is all assuming that the spells of, are of comparable level to each other. What happens if one is a stronger spell than the other? Well, that's where we're talking about B. Oh, yeah. you, yeah, a ninth level hitting a fifth level. Right. Yeah. It might yeah. cancel out some of it and make the resulting effect weaker, but the stronger spell could still have an effect. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Another a movie analogy. BBS Ultimate Edition, Doomsday and Superman using their heat vision. Yeah, Superman has heat vision. Doomsday has the heat vision, the heat breath. After a while, it knocks Superman back. Because Doomsday's was more powerful. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. But yeah, let's look at my example of the guy doing an, an ice blast, you know, and doing a, or say, a fire blast or something like that. And the, and the guy, the fire blast is higher level. If they're aiming at each other, then the guy who did the ice blast may actually get a uh, not just a steam bath; he gets a he gets a live steam bath blast. Yeah, back. No, John, see, okay, let's say we do. Are they working together? Ninth level fireball, and you counter it with a fifth level ice blast. You're still taking the, and this is just common sense GM fiat, folks. Yeah. That guy who threw that ice blast is still taking the effect of a fourth level fireball. Yes. All he did was mitigate about half the damage. He's yeah. still going to be getting a little crispy. But just that's not as crispy as he could have been. What if he's higher level? Than the person who casts the other. Story. If it's higher level, that's what I mean. Ninth yeah. level fireball against a fifth level ice blast. That what still leaves four levels of fireball unaccounted for. Guess yeah. who's taking it? The caster of the ice blast. I was actually saying, let's say somebody casts a ninth level spell that is, I don't know, uh, you know, that is, it's, it's a, it's a fireball. Okay, but it's like improve. But someone else is casting uh, a, an ice blast at a lower level, but he's actually a higher level caster than the ninth level caster. Okay, if we're doing damages by caster level, yeah, then the caster then who knows? And that ice blast might cancel out the fire blast, and that fire caster might be getting a little bit of chill blains going. Yeah. Uh, it's also assuming they're not working together, but but say they're on the same team and it went, you know and what they decide we need to knock these guys out quick, but the sleep spell takes too long. I know he casts haste, the other one casts sleep. 
Yeah, what I'm trying to get to here is where you're saying, look, what we're doing here as spellcasters is we're warping reality. And if I'm a better warper than you are, then it doesn't matter what spell you try to cast. I'm going, your spell's not going to go off. Mine will because I'm just the better caster. But if they're not, okay, but what if they have totally different different effects? What if, it doesn't matter. You're still warping reality in order to get your effect to go off, whatever it is. But I'm a better spellcaster, therefore my spell takes precedence, and your spell doesn't happen at all. Okay, in that situation, that may, that probably would occur. But what happens when they're both the same le- same ability levels? What happens then? I don't know. What do you think happens, John? Uh, see, I, I'm looking. Uh, for me, it, it's if the spells d- wouldn't normally interact with each other anyway, then they should both go off. So if I'm doing a sleep spell and your guy's doing a fire spell, they both work, even though they're hitting the exact same spot. But it, it, you know, so there's no there's no mathematic there's no addition to each other. It's just you got a bunch of people on fire who are sleeping. Well, it's also possible that neither, if they're equal, neither of them go off. It's a counter spell, basically. Both spells basically don't come into existence because both of you are messing up the area with the, you know, the reality warping that you're doing to the point where neither of you can bring forth the effect you're trying to do. Yeah, basically, okay. Brucis is chalking up to your counter spelling. Yeah. I don't care what spell it is. It's just a powerful enough spell to negate the crap you're throwing at me. That's all this is. Yeah, but you know, then the, but then it also depends on how the I got put the I got do the air quotes how the spell works. If the spell is coming, if the effects are coming from you, and it's basically once it leaves your fingers, it's fire. Once it leaves your fingers, it's it's this magical bolt. It's it's, it's actually a physical bolt of something. At that point. There's nothing, you know. There's there's nothing mixing at the other end because it's just simply effects mixing. All the warping is happening in your hands. Right. Well, by your very description, John, you're saying that the effect is going off in two different areas. Okay. They're just coming together in a third area. Yeah. But but you know that's why I was using a sleep spell. Sleep spell is is affecting the area because that is I'm not making sleep come from my fingers. I'm making sleep happen in a spot. And then if you do a fireball, it pretty much works the same way too. A fire, the, the spell goes off in the in the in the square you target on the map. See, I'm just saying that's why I'm raising the question. I mean, you can say, yeah, I mean, spells are all just treated independently, and the spells go off. They go off whether you cast them simultaneously or whether you cast them one after another. You know, but if you instead say, okay, I have a spell effect going off in this area and it's continuing. All right, and someone else tries to cast a fireball in there. Well, you know that fireball's not going to go off because I'm controlling this area. My reality is holding sway right now. Okay, yeah. Bruce, let me let me try to get an example in here, trying to understand what you're saying here. Let's say I throw, and what's the one spell? Dimensional anchor, which for a set period of time, no one can teleport in or out. No summoning can occur. Nothing of a dimensional nature can happen. I have magical control of this, oh, let's say 60-foot radius, so 120-foot diameter, because my dimensional anchor is king. If I try to 
throw a fireball into that because I'm controlling the area's mana with that spell, that fireball will not go off? Yes, that's the possibility. And I'm actually kind of le leeching into number six. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, yeah, mm -hmm. unfortunately, it flies in the face of how most games actually run Magic. Simultaneous. Yes, thank you, John. I, that's why I was gritting my teeth right there. I'm yeah, because simultaneous does not exist. Does not exist in games. It Ashley basically... saw me curling my hand. <laughs> Ooh! Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, it doesn't exist in games. Even it, it does exist, John. If I hold action, my action. If I hold an action, and then I, my action goes before their person's, they never go at the same time. Even if I say we're trying to go at the same time, even in within the rules, they never go at the same time. My effects go first, then your effects, or your effects go first, then my effects. There's no simultaneous. Okay, John. Who? I don't care. Okay, again, we're talking about creating the perfect magic system. We just have to decide what we want. We don't have to go by what's been going on before and what what other people think might be the best way of doing it. I mean, I agree that it's a lot easier to handle the, the math and everything else if everybody's spell effects are separate. Okay, and, say, and to say, no, you can never do that. So here's the, down okay, here's the downside. If it really is caster level... Then, but you don't get Superman and 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 what's his face doing heat beams on each other. Then, but here's the thing: if it is s spellcaster level based, then I cast a light spell, and I'm on tenth level. Yep. You can't cast magic at me now. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unless unless somehow you can. You know, you know. Basically, if it, if there's a if there's a casting success roll, you can roll higher until that spell runs out. Okay. So again, we're moving into number six. Okay, which is if you're casting, if you're hacking reality, does that cause a resistance to further casting? Does casting the same spell sequentially have the same effect each time, or does the area get tired, therefore creating some resistance? So if I cast a spell in the area I'm in, does that make it harder for other people to cast in that area? That sort of falls into Larry Niven's when the magic went away. That is, you could drain an area of mana, and there was a simple little spell. You had disc, and you just gave it a, a spell and made it spin with no limit on how, how, how fast it could spin. And you also gave a strengthening spell, so as the faster it sp spun, it got stronger and stronger. What would happen was, was it would spin to the point where it started glowing from the friction until it basically ate up all the mana in, in, a, in an area and then it exploded because there was no more magic there to keep it together. And it would drain the entire area clean of mana. No one could cast magic at all, period, in that area. It, it, it's along that line. If an area gets tired, it sounds like you're, like you're draining mana from it. Then and if you and if if you need the ambient mana, yeah, that's possible. You could, you know, drain an area of mana of magic power, or whatever you want to call it, and it gets hard to cast magic there because basically, it's like starting trying to start a fire on a burned field. Yeah, John, I think you pretty much explained it. Okay, that's fine. All right. So the question is, do you like it? <sighs> mm. Because I don't use magic that way, uh, no. I tend to use magic differently, and that's I sort of. Even though I do have the idea of, even though I do use ley lines in my in my games, they're more like they're the extra boost, not the only boost. 
you know, there's basically something that gives you a little extra boost when you need them. So, I, but yeah, magic is, yeah, I actually don't care. I, no, I don't care for that. Okay. Trav? If you're hacking reality, does that cause resistance to further cast? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't like that if you are, because that's how I quantify to the, to the players in my game. About a year or two ago, I came up, I said, you know what all magic is? And they're like, what? You're hacking reality at the sub-quantum level. You basically, a fireball, you are using magic to vibrate molecules enough to agitate them where they're flaming. That's all magic is. You're hacking reality on that level. I don't think if you do it more, it gets harder. Other than the, the damage to the material world. If you're throwing around fireballs and meteor storms, you're going to end up with a crater of glass after a while. But it doesn't make the cat, the cat, the, the, that. <clears throat> Once yeah. more, the feeling. It doesn't make the spells harder to cast. Okay. Because there are stories in which they say this area was a place where there was a great battle and nobody can cast spells in this area anymore because of that. Okay, yeah. thematically for that story, it would work. You yeah. magic, you made it a dead magic zone. Yeah. Okay, for that purpose of whatever story you read, that works. Cool. Yeah, yeah. From a, but from a GM's perspective, this means I start, in, I you know definitely need to start drawing areas of the map. Okay, this area's drained. This area's tired. Yeah, you start exactly. Yeah, John. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you have areas in your campaign world that are dead magic. You have areas no. in your world that are as, uh, as the game goes on. Magic. As the game goes on, you know you got you got you you got mist you got you got you got misto the magic the the the, the fire bomber, and you got the guy who you know and the other guy doing magic, and they're just sucking down all the mana. I I got to start keeping track of how much mana is in the area, and if I didn't think my rules through, they I may actually have less mana than what they really need, or they may have more mana or whatever. It basically becomes a a, a GM bookkeeping thing that gets, well, I mean, gets you're, tired you're, quick. John, if you're a GM, you kind of take on that job anyways. It, 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 you kind of yeah. know that going in. But, you know, but I'm a GM. I also, I'm also lazy. <laughs> wow, did you prove that hobby? You're also making a straw man, John. Well, because in the game where you have spell levels, which you could say is, is it because of this casting and tiring of the area, that means that no spell below uh, third level will cast. Okay, that would be the impeded magic thing. It's like weak yeah. level magic doesn't work. You have to be only able able to cast high level magic. Yeah, that's just that. That's like a for me. That's like a story element. The evil mage, okay, could do this intentionally to basically cut out the the inv uh, the inventory. Let's say is the guys that are coming. If they don't know about this ability to do this, they're coming in with all their. Oh, I've got all my magic missiles. Okay. Take on the bad guy. Chain cast with you and all this stuff like that. And he comes in, he says, okay, let's have it. And you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, we've got one third level spell now. All right, okay, you're done. All right, fine. Boom, you know, fourth level, death cloud. Everybody dies. Okay, and he doesn't. And then, you know, two, a week later, a month later, whatever, all the, you know, the area is recovered. Now I can cast whatever I want to. Yeah, and you have a new new set of players because the old set of players left you. Maybe, maybe, or maybe they say, say things like, well, if that's true, 
then that means that we can start planning for it. And we can start using that technique ourselves, you know, to take out some of the lower level uh, people that harry us. You know, maybe those things, that, those guys that can throw flaming arrows at us, maybe they can't throw flaming arrows. They just become normal arrows. And we save ourselves a D6 damage of every arrow that hits us because we cast a bunch of light spells all of a sudden. Well, what I say, Bruce, is... That's a matter, okay, let's say you find this area of impeded magic due to a previous battle. That's just tactics and using the area. That's you going to the area where you know this battle's going to be and using every resource at your disposal to research in a mundane and a magical fashion. The mundane fashion would be doing Sun Tzu Art of War stuff, like, okay, Where's the high ground? Where's the most advantageous places? Oh, let's scan this place magically. Oh, it's an impeded magic area where certain levels, low-level spells don't work. Fine. We bring in all our high-level casters and dress them up like apprentices. Let's have them underestimate the enemy, or underestimate us, and then we scorch them. And it is, and it's a common, and it would be a common knowledge thing amongst amongst magic users. It would basically, I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't spring it on them. Like if you just spring it on them, saying, "Oh, by the way, magic, you know, does this," and you've been, you know, you never knew this. No, no, the mages would know this because they've been taught. If they were taught competently, they would know about the fact that casting magic drains monarchs because they would learn that their masters, as their masters. Yeah, they would have been place. taught that. Oh, by the very way magic works in the world, they would have been taught that as a matter of just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, well, and also think of a couple of other things here. Okay, I mean, first of all, is that it's a way of protecting your non-magic people. Okay, you go and cast some spells over in that area. Now your archers can go over there and stand in an area, and they don't have to worry about a whole bunch of spells hitting them unless they're high enough level. They're, they've got an area that they're safe in for during that period, for a period of time until the magic comes. And then, and of course, they all complain that their plus one bow is no longer a plus one. Yeah, so what? I wouldn't say that necessarily true, John, because maybe it, because it's been enchanted at 11th level, it's proof against that. I don't know. That's, that's, again, it comes down to the system. Yeah, you can still bring in, okay, let's say, oh, our plus one arrows don't work. Fine, you get a bunch of farmers who are all casting normal arrows. If you have a thousand bowmen firing a thousand arrows, unless you're like a 20th level, you're not going to deflect every arrow. You're still going to have a bunch of arrows coming in that are still going to hit. And you're going to have, at the very least, it's a distraction. You use them as, as a distraction and then you hit them with the big guns. Yeah. Right, but think about your 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 magical combat combined with people. Okay, you got you got like a squad of twenty or thirty archers. They can dish a lot of damage out. One fireball, they're all gone. Now, let's say you can now pro provide an area where third level spells don't work in them. Okay, now they're safe from that. Someone's going to have to cast a much bigger spell after them, and you you know you have your higher level guys keep them involved. Now, if you're talking about a battlefield someplace large, maybe they, you know, the mage doesn't have all the extra magic to go and make a whole lot of areas 
that way. So now you've got the mage using his detect magic spell to say, okay, over there it's depressed. Over there it's okay. Let's go and move, you know, let's go and move over there so we can cast our spells. And then it adds more tactical to the situation. You know, maybe the the mage is, the bad guy is trying to force you along a certain path by doing that. Or maybe, you know, like I said, you, it's he, he did, made his, you know, he had to do this ahead of time. So, you know, he made his best bet and you managed to figure out how to get it. But it's going to take that mage using that detect magic spell a little bit of time to figure out where the good and bad parts are. So that adds that into it too. So I'm just saying is it, it's something I think could add a lot to the game. You'd have to, I mean, it, you know, it's obviously it's a buy-in by the players, you know. So, you know, and, and, and of course, if they don't like it, fine. You know, don't, you know, that's, you don't have to have that as part of your perfect magic system. If they do like it, well, then they're going to have to be, as you said, Trav, they're going to have to do the, the, the brain work. They're going to have to figure out the tactics. They're after, you know, they're going to have to take advantage of the, the, you know, the, the, the magic poor areas as a protection and the magic rich areas as, you know, for your spell casters to really, you know, hit with your lower level spells. And if it, if, as you're casting these spells, the area is getting weaker and weaker. That's going to encourage everybody to use your low-level spells first and save your high-level spells for the end rather than, okay, we come in, we've got all these low-level spells. He hits us with a six-level spell. Rosie will agree with this, and she's been gaming with me now for, what, three, four years now? You've been a, a gamer of mine, Josie? Like that, but everything you've been saying has sounded completely backwards to me. <laughs> Well, it's just well that's that's why we do these things, Josie. We're trying to enlarge our minds. As I said, <laughs> Ashley has been gaming with me that long. Josie will get this better. If I give my gamers some little tidbit of knowledge like that, like, well, yeah, you're doing detect magic and you find out that this is a dead magic zone. My players will use the holy hell out of that information. <laughs> this other one here, this little one here in Oak, Oak Harbor, Ohio, be like, okay, we're going to get all our people here and do this. And all of a sudden, everyone at my play, everyone at my table becomes Sun Tzu. They become yeah. the master tactician and they, they try to squeeze every benefit out of this little facet I've given them. And mm -hmm. Josie has done this. That sounds like you're bringing the awesome to your game. You have been saying is you. <sighs> Focusing on the, the the impeded magic hindering, you've been talking about it hindering the lower level. But yeah. from my impression on in, impeded magic, I thought it would hinder the higher level spells, the ones that require more to put into it. Oh no, it could. Okay, um, let me let me try to get the the right way to 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 for Josie. Okay, Josie, it's let's say it's a patch of land that has like that world resistance rule that I have. That's what they mean by impeded magic. Lower level spells don't work. Okay. So oh, okay. Yeah. Now you got specifically it. the mana level in that area is that it's, yeah, it, it's difficult to have things go off when you're using a lower amount. Yes. Yeah. But then, no. Then you could also throw the different types of impede, uh, of these impeded magic areas, and you could have the the ones that do have a lower mana level, 
Which would impede the higher level spells. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I agree with Josie there. You could definitely have an area where it's not the higher level spells that can go off. It's only the lower level spells that can go off, and that you know, like in, instead of you having to use fourth level nothing above third level would work. If your spell system basically says there has to be a certain amount of magic available in the area, and this basically cuts that level down, then you can only cast lower level spells because there is enough magic to support the higher levels. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that could work too. Yeah. No. And I just wanted to get that out there because you were kind of. No, that's a good idea, Josie. Focusing on the one aspect, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. I I'm thinking of it like this. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.